This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Welcome to another edition of Longhorn Blitz. I know I'm not the usual host of the show. My man Jeff Howe is on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, he's one of the hardest working men in the business, so he deserves it. But he'll be back for the next show. Everything's going good with him, so you can cyberstalk him via Twitter if you want to. But uh, this week, just me and my man Matt Butler. So let me introduce the heart and soul of the Longhorn Blitz. My man Matt Butler, twisting and tweaking at Dallas. What's going on, Matt? How you doing, bro? Doing pretty well, man. I uh, I'm sad I do not have Jeff's booming voice for a great intro. Yeah, and, I don't yeah do the that. accolades to come through. <laughs> come on, man. Exactly. Actually, with between our two voices, they couldn't be more opposite of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to try to do what Jeff does because he's very talented Unique. and do the intros. I can't even introduce myself yes. as well as Jeff Howe introduces me. So we'll just show some love to my man Jeff and start off the show. I'm Rod Babers, Lifetime Longhorn, uh, but we are here to do the Longhorn Blitz podcast. We'll get into some pro day numbers here and pro day I guess projections, what the Pro Day has done for the draft stock of the Longhorns who are coming out into the NFL draft this year. And also, at the end, we'll sprinkle in a little Longhorn basketball. We got to do it. Got to talk some Longhorn uh, men's hoops because uh, right now the Longhorns uh, historically win the Big 12 tournament is... Uh, first time it, ever. First time ever. First time uh, that they've won a Big 12 tournament since 1995? Yeah, Southwest like, Conference. Sorry, 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 conference tournament since 1995. Go. Yeah, because Texas 12 tournament was able to roll out of the Southwest Conference when I, I believe was in elementary school. And Man. that was, yeah, pretty hardcore back then. Yes. To think about that, though, is pretty crazy that it's been that long in Kansas and Oklahoma have ran this conference in football and in basketball. Like, when you look at conference championships, like – Kansas is one that you go across the board and it's like they either have one or the other, but it was just guaranteed. And then over what the past decade that when Oklahoma has been able to add on top of it, it's been pretty crazy to think that Texas never won a conference tournament. Yeah, because Rick Barnes was there a lot. Yeah. Well, they had a lot of good ones. Uh, Six times? Yeah, six times. uh, That that Kevin Durant versus KU. There were tons of crazy games. But those Kansas, I mean, it was always at the level of the final four, it felt like, or at least an elite. 
Elite Eight game, and that's where like the past five years watching Texas basketball really hasn't. But this year, watching the Big Twelve, every game has been like it's some type of tournament atmosphere. And I, I remember talking to my brother about it, and it was like this reminds me of Rod sort of talking about how practice at Texas in the early oh, 2000s was so tough that come game time, you ended up having games that were easier than practice. And that's sort of how I viewed this entire basketball season for Texas in the Big 12. Yeah. Because, like, they're going to go to the conference t- or to the NCAA tournament and play games that may actually not be as competitive as what your normal is because your normal in the Big 12 is insane. They're battle-tested, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, the Big 10 probably can say that too. I don't oh, know. yeah, we'll for get, sure. We'll, yeah, we'll get into it because I think it's really interesting. Usually around this time we're uber-focused on spring football, especially with a new head coach in town, mm-hmm. which we've been able to talk about way too much here on the 40 Acres during the Longhorn Blitz years. But uh, I think part of the reason we're not – Uber focused yet on spring football, which is a week away, by the yeah. way. Uh, as we record this podcast, uh, is because Texas basketball has Texas basketball fans uh, really, really dedicated and committed. So it's a really interesting ride we've been on. I mean, because even this year, people were calling for Shaka Smart's head, and yes. now <laughs> Shaka Smart has won the Big 12 tournament, him and his team. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. So I think that's a really interesting discussion. It is a uh, Longhorn related. Usually we just talk Texas football, but uh, I think it deserves a little airtime from us. All right, so we'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. But first, let's talk about the pro day on the 40 acres and get into the pro day numbers just a little bit uh, a lot of these come from um longhorn network and the nfl network i got these from mm-hmm. jane slater did a great job throwing out stuff she's a lifetime Longhorn. texas sports did a little like top performers yeah. which is very smart for texas sports you yeah, don't yeah. put the you put yeah. the top three in every yeah. category out there and That's you say true. these are no the guys that did the great one no 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 it's uh and i will say traditionally Pro day numbers are always a little bit better than combine numbers. So this year, I think it's 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 a it's a gift and a curse, right? It's good news, bad news for these prospects coming out into the NFL draft this year. The good news is, like I said, pro day numbers traditionally, as you study them, I'll give you the mm-hmm. exact percentages a little bit later on. Always better than combine numbers at every drill like every different drill every uh measurement they're always better i don't even it's over the years it has bared out 20 30 40 50 years the the you know the bad news is you only got one opportunity yeah this year usually you have the combine and then you have the pro day you don't like the combine numbers all right you gotta show up at the pro day everything you tested poorly on at the combine that's what you do at the pro day everything you like that you did at the combine you let that stick and that's your official time and these guys don't have that opportunity, Matt. That is, that means your pro day is your, like, M&M. That's your one shot. Yeah. You got one opportunity. <laughs> and the reason why sometimes those numbers are like that is, you know, traditionally over the years, whenever you go to cover the, cover the things, they'll tell you, like, we aren't going to have some automated time board or the thing. It's not as if a graphic comes out, unless it was, like, back in the day when they were doing the bench press and Mad Dog would be yelling each rep. because so, so then you'd easily be able to keep track. Otherwise, you had to get it from the mouth of the player so after they interview they would come over and then they would give you all the times in the names so therefore they aren't sharing the ones they don't like if you didn't perform as well they maybe don't have that number so then you end up getting numbers that are least the best that they've done like you were saying when you go to the combine that also is just the one shot you've got the yeah. time to go it's automated and you don't get a second it's shot a or point. not to share the information 
you have the c- control the message to share the information in the pro day atmosphere. So you just sort of get the cream of the crop that's reported. It isn't the comprehensive say list. I think that is that's definitely a, a part of it. I think another part of it is as a somebody who's been to the combine, it's a pressure cooker. Oh yeah, right. They they're they're applying pressure to you mm-hmm. at all times, waking you up at all times, poking you, prodding you in medical exams, walking around it's in like your a road drawers. Game too. Yeah, yeah you travel. Hotel, yeah, it's food, yeah, right. It's hostile it's territory. Home, it's not at right? home where you got your yeah. food and all that. So yeah. you, exactly right. You you're you're uncomfortable all the time there, and yeah, so you don't you you know just a like lot you more said, like a home the NFL game would be. You perform a whole lot better at a home home field advantage yep. home game because you're comfortable. There there and there are a lot of things that you're accustomed to also you know think about the pro days it's a showcase like mm-hmm. the, the school everybody you like you said you control it uh you know it's a lot more of a controlled environment and you have control even when sam does his throwing he brought in was it bobby strope yeah his uh his throwing coach who's patrick mahomes is uh throwing coach as well and they you know he they decide all right we're gonna we're gonna run the bootleg here on the first play. What What do you want to run, Sam? Yeah, the like, drill. That's what they, they ask oh, you. Oh, they map it out. They, yeah, they ask you exactly as they say. You know, you don't. The scouts don't get to control it at the combine. The scouts have all control. They tell you what to do, when to do mm-hmm. it. Pro day, you kind of decide what you want to do. They can. The, the scouts that I went to my, at my pro day, they asked. There were scouts that came to me and asked me, "Hey, you want to do this again?" I was like, "No, I'm good." Yeah. Uh, me and my agent have talked about it, and that's a good time I have there. Good measurement. So we can I'm that running stick. with that one. Yeah. yeah so it's, I, I think that's part of it, too, is because you have just more control over it. Uh, okay, let's get into the pro day numbers. Let's start with, because we'll try to go through all the guys here. And uh, I think we should start with Joseph Osai. Yes. I think Joseph Osai, to me, and, and I, I don't know if he, he made the most money on pro day, but I will say going into pro day, there were, it was so much range in terms of the draft projections about and I think a lot of it was misinformation. There are, unfortunately, there are scouts out there who will basically throw out negative projections and negative evaluations mm-hmm. about you. So your draft stock will drop. Just so they have a shot to get So they'll, they'll have you at a better value. It's crazy to think about that, but yes, it actually does Agent, happen. Agents do the same thing. Agents do the same thing. Everyone's trying to increase doing draft this stock. to yeah. one another at this time. It, exactly. Yes. Right? No question about it. So for Joseph Osai, Mel Kuyper had mentioned um, that Osai could drop to the third round. Or, it, it, that's crazy. Yes. He said that, but he also put a second. He said he had a second round grade on him, but he said I spoke to other scouts who had a third round grade. I'm like, that's that's insane. Um, Chad Ruder at one point had um, his four round NFL mock draft, and he had Joseph Osai as a third round pick too. I mean, uh, Jeff Howe went over these numbers on Light the Tower, and Mel Kiper also said, um, and Jeff Howe said this on a on a conference call, and this is prior to the pro day, of course. On a conference call, Jim Wyatt, who covers the Titans, uh, was talking to him and asked about um, the the Titans and their situation. And Mel Kuyper brought up trading down in the first round and getting Joseph Osai at the bottom of the first round. So the point is, the projections had him between a first and a third. I don't know how. And I'm thinking maybe that's just misinformation for teams trying to help his trying to hurt his draft stock so they could get him at a value. But either way, and, and Chip Brown actually spoke to NFL scouting director and had a second-round projection on Joseph Osai. So my point is, the, the projections were a first, second, third. You had him you know, all over the place. That's crazy because I think he's definitely a first-round guy. So for him, he had to solidify what people were seeing on film. 
he had to solidify the freakishness. He had to confirm the freakishness. And I think, Matt, he confirmed the freakishness that we've been watching on film at his pro day. 41 and a half inch vertical, uh, 10, 10 foot, 11 inch broad jump. Uh, he ran a 4 6 3, uh, I believe was his fastest 40 yard dash time, which is still pretty damn good for him. Um, and I believe uh, overall his measurements were 6'3", 256 pounds. Yeah, that's a pretty big dude, but that vertical jump is just insane. That's you go insane. 42 inches like that, and a guy like him, like you're talking about the range of his outcomes, it really is because he's at that position where you can really go and elevate over everybody and become a first-rounder. If you're the freak edge rusher, if you're that guy in the draft, you can skyrocket and become that first-rounder. But also, if, say, one or two other players do the same thing at their workouts, they have the ability to do that. So then when it comes down to demand – you can easily drop in that those situations just because you're at a position of significance upside that then you could possibly drop to the second or third round just because you know at that position they have upside if other people outperform you. Thing was, is looks as if he maybe put up those freakish numbers that are going to almost outperform or be unmatched for a certain skill set. And yep. if you're just talking about raw athleticism, because that's the one other thing. He's the guy that everybody else talks, and when you look on film, you talk to a football guy. He's like, that good dude's got a motor. He keeps it going. He yeah. has all those intangible, and he He's has this that. stuff, the eye test stuff. And But yep. then when you couple that with the freak performance, that's, I mean, exactly ideal for what would be a first-round pick. And when you look at just previous combine results, like last year, Vert, there was one guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver from Michigan that ended up being with the Browns. Mm-hmm. People saw him a lot after Odell was out. He was the one that jumped higher than 42 inches. Henry Ruggs, wow. he was right at 42 inches. Henry Ruggs went in the top, off the top of my head, I think 12th overall, somewhere in there, yeah. top 15 pick. You look across the board, some, there was one linebacker, Dante Olsen from Montana. I don't even know who he is. He didn't get drafted. That's the only guy that was of the defensive end linebacker position to have a 42-inch vertical. Like He put up a vertical that could be the top vertical of the entire year across the board, and he did it at that position, which is just out of control. And man, that is because that supports this uh, stat, and I'll give oh, my man the first guy um, that well, just the stat that you brought up, just how freakish mm-hmm. it is, and how rare to have that combination of that type of size mm-hmm. and that type of explosivity. Uh, Bud Dupree is the only combined yep. participant since the year two thousand to have a higher vertical leap of forty one and a half or higher at um, two hundred fifty five pounds or more. Joseph Osai did that on his pro day on Thursday. That's from Bobby Belt, my man, Bobby Belt. TX. He's a really good follow if you're a Cowboys fan. Um, so it's it it was. I mean, it, and this is the thing about Joseph side. Twenty second overall, Bud Dupree went. Where do you go? Twenty second overall. Okay. Yeah. First so round I, pick. Exactly. So I think that just confirmed that he's going to be a first round guy because he had you know the draft is all about potential, but he's got the the film to back up that he's a hell of a football player. We all know that. I mean, my favorite stat about. I got to give it since we're talking about Joseph Osai. Um, <laughs> why not? Because it's such a crazy stat. Um, so if you start looking at Joseph Osai and that game he had against Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. He became the first Power 5 player since 
Nadamakan Sue against Pistolas. <laughs> yeah, in 2009. That, and yeah, we all know the irony of that. Yes. Right? Well, because well, everybody was like, oh, we've never seen anything like that before. It's the most dominant performance ever by a defensive player. Yeah, Until like, Osayu did something similar. He did something similar. Um, so it was the first time since Nadamakan Sue in 2009 versus Texas uh, to register at least 12 tackles, six tackles for loss, and three sacks in a game. Uh, there are two. Uh, they are two, excuse me, of only six FBS players since 2000 to register that stat line. And the crazy thing about it, Matt, if you go back to his, um, Joseph Osai's Alamo Bowl performance that he had when he was a defensive MVP, mm-hmm. he basically did that. He was three tackles shy of doing that again. Yeah, that's he, crazy. He had nine tackles, six tackles for loss, and three sacks. If he'd have got three more tackles, he'd have been right there in that freakish category again. Yeah, and like, those are the type of things that even <laughs> you see in the NFL, those are like Aaron Donald's stat lines. They are. When, in what, like, well, it's why we brought up at the time in the offseason. Remember when we all got into the Casey Hampton numbers when he led the team oh, in tackles man. and, like, the freakishness, and we were wondering, can Osai have a season where he can really be a guy on the D-line but contribute at that level where he's like your best defender and the biggest threat and at a position that you aren't supposed to be able to do those things, and he's just doing it against top-tier competition, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, no no doubt about it. So he solidified himself, in my opinion, as a first-round player. I I will say this. I heard John Harris. John Harris does good work covering the Texas, but he also does uh, NFL draft evaluations uh, I think he has his Harris uh, Harris 100, which is like the top 100 prospects. Pretty good list. And he said one of the concerns that he's heard about Joseph Osai, I don't think this was particularly his concern, we just throwing it out there about other scouts, was that they may not know where to play him. Whether yeah, he's a traditional defensive end, a four three with his head old. in the dirt, or an offensive uh, outside linebacker uh, in the three four, or an off ball linebacker, which by the way he played and I think relatively well. It's it wasn't you know he played here in Texas, he played off ball mm-hmm. linebacker, but then ended up moving to that that hybrid defensive end position, which Craig Nivar actually put him at first after Todd Orlando was fired. So give him credit, and that's when he won the he won the uh, defensive MVP uh, award in that bowl game. I, to say that is ridiculous, and I'll tell you why. Because the future of football is multiplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, you want guys that can play multiple positions along your defensive front, and he can. So that, although somebody throwing it out there as a criticism, that is an asset and not a liability. That that, that That's what you want as a defensive mind. That's what I would want as a defensive yeah, mind. Yeah, and that's one of the slights across all sports that you it's see. The, the labels of tweeners or things as if it's something that's bad. It's like, no, actually, that means this guy can manufacture depth maybe behind him and one. Either way, if you want to go bigger or small. To find matchup advantages. Exactly, and that type of guy. But uh, when you look at somebody like him being able to have that performance and then you hear that is the biggest criticism, it just – that quote, it makes me think it'll age about as well as Bill Polian saying that Lamar Jackson <laughs> would be a wide receiver. He didn't yeah. have the skill set of, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I think the modern skill set may be different than what you're used to. Wrapping up the Joseph Osai discussion, um, remember this, he's introduced to football at the first time. First time he saw it with his own eyes was as a seventh grader. Yeah. So he was, I don't know how Joel old he is. He's 11 or 12 years old. So he's been around football for 10 years. Yeah. He's actually been immersed in it for 10 years, and he's already just solidified himself as a first-round pick. I think his upside is through the roof. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about Sam Ellinger. It wasn't really, of course, about Sam Ellinger uh, and his measurables, even though he ran up. I think he had a 9.6 broad jump, 36-inch vertical, Yeah, which is actually pretty damn good. And he ran at about the size of or the speed of an NFL running back. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah. What was this, uh, 4010? Let me pull it up real quick. Sorry but, uh, about that. I, I think it was like 4-6. I believe it was 4-6. That's it was, what I, I get but I didn't have number. it confirmed. Praise the speed of Osai. Like, that's um, not bad. Which is pretty damn good. <laughs> we, yeah, no. But I, I I did see that a scout said if you, It was you know, on Twitter that I saw somebody put it. It might have been his coach. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It might have been the Bobby Strope, Bobby his, Strope private, his private coach. But I, I will say this about Sam, and the NFL scout said it too, that if you – you know, if you like Sam Ellinger, you probably went into that workout looking at the positives about Sam Ellinger, l- trying to find positives. And if you didn't like him, then you probably went into it looking for negatives and found them too. Yeah, um, and I saw the, uh, the one of the best ones that I saw because everybody saw the video that went viral on him throwing it 77 yards or whatever. But, you know, like it's good to show that you can throw a ball that far, but it also doesn't show a ton about, you know, the accuracy or where you do it or under duress or in those situations. But then when you pull out what stroke the video of him with the gun directly behind Ellinger at Pro Day and hitting 58 miles an hour, and that being one that in 2017 Patrick Mahomes – Hit 55, and you know, like when you yeah. look at now, you can get coached up, but you remember in that same draft, a guy like Kaiser was touted to have the huge arm. He was at 52. If you look last year, I think Will Greer, well, no, it was 2019. Will Greer went faster, and Brett Rippon both hit 58, 59. But other than that, since 2017, you've only had three or four quarterbacks, and most of which uh, are guys that you know out there, and one of them being Mahomes. And to be that good, pretty impressive. Yeah, they said 480, 4.8, so I don't know exactly. They didn't give us specific time, 4.8s. Eights, well, yeah, the eight, nine could be a lot worse. Yeah, so I, don't, I mean, yeah, but nobody cares about the 40-yard dash time when it comes to Sam Ellinger. But still, um, I, I will say this about Sam. He's, he's going to make. Oh, sorry. Stroop said four seven five had a okay. reliable one, but that's according to his guy. There you go. I mean that, but there you go. Yeah, there you go four seven five, and you know how scouts as are. As a quarterback, that's that's pretty. That's pretty fast. damn good. No, no, I'm with you. I'm I not think Colt off the top of my head ran like a four seven two or something like that. Four eight around Colt. If you're Colt speed, you got functional mobility. Yeah, um, I will say this though, and I saw Jeff Christensen uh, talk about this too about Sam Ellinger, uh, his makeup and his his football character <laughs> uh, and that's my term using football character he didn't really say that but he did talk about his makeup uh that is really going to impress scouts because yeah. i heard sam ellinger was taking a page out of the brandon jones book where he was going to study every nfl offense very smart so that when he spoke to the nfl teams he would either basically kind of use their terminology if he could find that actual terminology mm-hmm. and if not then he would discuss their concepts shows his research yeah He's discuss their to, concepts like, with them make his suggestions and talk about uh basically the similarities of you know what he did at Texas um with their offense and how it could work out so that's i i think that's always something really impressive Brandon Jones there remember Brandon Jones couldn't really work out cuz he was mm-hmm. recovering from COVID. an injury that was one of the big things that people uh, that separated him. That people really uh, were complimentary about with Brandon Jones, and, and it obviously showed off his football IQ. Yeah, down there in Miami, because everybody won. thought Miami had no shot. But Flores, it's like actually the only like Belichick disciple that's building something that may be quite functional. And whenever they drafted Brandon Jones, like I just remember being able to. We were recording down at Onion Creek, and Jeff was just 
interviewing Brandon Jones pre-draft, and Jones was talking about all the different things that, that he right. did. And there was a few things that stood out to me in a few teams that he was like, man, I really think I fit well here. And Miami was one of those. And it's just when you have that type of structure and you know that, like, say, they're is uh, organizational concept a guy like Brandon Jones that is almost like that NFL hobbyist that sounds like Sam Ellinger maybe that like, like that. you live and breathe it it's, it's sort of like if yeah. you aren't a coach's pedigree even though like say a McCoy was but like from the Shanahan family how you always talk about them just eat um, and breathe football like yeah. it's just second nature to yep. people like that and uh, the more interest you have in your pr- uh, profession the only better it's going to be for your boss yeah so so I think that I think it's gonna help Sam once pe- Sam gets. I know he can't get in front of anyone because it's COVID, but him getting on the Zoom calls and talking to teams, he'll have more teams that will fall in love with him. There are oh, yeah. there, in my opinion, are probably at least three or four teams that are in love with Sam Ellinger mm-hmm. and that are hoping. All right, when he's there, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Oh man, he's gonna be a great value to me. Um, and I don't know what teams those are, but I'm I'm banking on I guarantee this one that probably fell in love with him after that 2018 year. And think about this, yep. guys. Before you know, before 2020, Sam was his trajectory was positive. Yeah, it had gotten better every even in, year. Yep, 2019 as, even as a passer, even 2019 going into the Burrow game, he was the good quarterback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, forget about it's that. pretty amazing. That was yeah. the tipping point of Joe Burrow's career. It really was because before I remember LSU fans coming up to us and saying, "You guys got the advantage of a quarterback, man. He's a good player." Yep. And yeah, after Betty that, everything. Yeah, it wasn't the same. But still, Sam Ellinger was a considered. year later. Burrow won overall. Yeah, but he was considered still Sam Ellinger coming into this season, or at least the last season, one of the top five best quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, for sure. And, and he's the type of guy that, I mean, he's sort of, if you wanted a modern, like an evolved and actually more talented Tebow, because he's a guy that's a, one of the few quarterbacks that can be a bruiser. And yep. like, you don't think he's going to go and follow the mold of the guys that, but uh, like Taysom Hill, but they open up a path where certain teams can sure. see the multifunction use. And I mean, it's the way that Cam Newton's been used before. And yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, you can be a tool for the team that can be a project for the long. Now you don't. It's an undrafted thing. It's something you do down the road. But it's a great guy to have around to develop as a rookie, running scout teams or whatever. And then if it is what you see and what he could do and can give you depth and maybe be something that can be value. Yeah. Um, so Sam Ellinger is hoping. A lot of people said, you know, basically what Colt McCoy has done. That's his ceiling in the league if he can get there. Or Chase Daniel. Yeah, Colt I mean, McCoy. Oh God, he's yeah. If he can do that, talents he above is a, Chase Daniel. It's just Chase Daniel mentally, yeah. conceptually got everything and where the game was yeah. evolving. So did Colt McCoy. I looked up his twenty time. Who? Colt was a four seven nine. So it's right nine? there with him. Right there with him. Yeah. I, you know what? I would think because Sam Ellinger to me is not as talented as Colt. Was in terms no. of Cole was just naturally gifted. He's in terms a of better accuracy. Tebow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think he. I, that's why I always say Chase Daniel is it to me is his ceiling. Chase Daniel's been great oh, as yeah. a backup in the league. He's been awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, just, a, he's a guy making eight million a year, just hopping <laughs> from team to team. To me, that that's more sad. But I guess you can go the Colt route if you want to, just because he's a Longhorn. But because I never thought Chase Daniel was. I thought at one point Colt could be a starter in the league. Yeah, I, and, I, I, I early on, but obviously that was when the first. 
at one point he was like beating like the Patriots. And, well, could the, the depth of quarterback was, every like the, year with the Browns with this spread baby uh, culture that you've talked about for a decade? The amount of just like your average replacement player is so much better than they used to be. So a decade ago when Colt came in to when the league, the quarterback in, play at the bottom half of the thirty-two wasn't as depth or as deep as it is now like you have every year five or six or seven guys that can contribute immediately but you still have the Brady's and had the Breezes and had the Rodgers and when you talk about it it's the same thing in the NBA right now when you have 30 different five stars these kids are coming out as specialized machines they can perform at a high level and they're ready to go immediately your average replacement player the just right now so much better than it was 20 years ago and 10 years ago so that's the worst thing working against Sam is there's a lot of good nearly functional quarterbacks out there and every year there's three or four top end guys that even if they aren't a great and transcendent year guy they end up being one that drops down they're still going to be fighting for that roster spot with a guy like Sam so that's the only thing working against him but I think him being a kid that's just lo- eat and breeze football here in Texas like all the things the boxes you want to check he can give you a little bit of anything and nobody thought Taysom Hill would have been a guy like that in for BYU a decade ago if Sam continues to work in the weight room you may have another out and not necessarily have to be the quarterback I think he'll stick with that but still it's just a good upside to have. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, Tyrone. I, I agree that people are just league. now, yeah, start looking at the quarterback <laughs> position finally uh, with uh, basically with a more incl- inclusive uh, viewpoint, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, was, it used to be they viewed you had to have hands this big, yes. a certain prototype I to seen play quarterback. Same hand size. And I didn't wonder about it. Nobody really cares about that. By the way, Drew Brees retiring. Yeah, um, he's one of the guys that broke that mold. He was the shortest quarterback to win a Super Bowl until Russell Wilson topped that because Russell Wilson just a little bit shorter. <laughs> it's like Nick Foles is but in the after. You go look at Colt McCoy's rookie year in the NFL. He he got a chance to start. Uh, game like week six, he mm-hmm. got thrown there. Two thousand ten at Pittsburgh, they lost. James Harrison hit. <laughs> then he uh he beats New Orleans at New Orleans. He's he's with the Browns, by the yeah. way, right? When he does this, yes. And he beats New England. He beat the Patriots. Like, I mean, he was. And it's like when you look at Vince Young, the end of his career, you're like what? Yeah, I, I'm just saying this is early on, and I'm saying the Browns. We know the Browns are a bit of a dumpster fire. Uh, if uh, you know, if Andy, James Harrison if Andy, doesn't take his head off, and, and I, I like Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton and mm-hmm. you know, if those types of players can become stars in the league, and I'm not saying a he's not the, a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying that. No, but there are certain situations where you become the starter or a yeah. bridge to a certain other quarterback mm-hmm. or a certain situation. And Colt could have been one of those guys. He had that type of talent. I don't know if Sam has that type of yeah. ceiling. Like Dak did whenever Romo got hurt, that nobody really That's thought right. Dak would be great. That's a great But point. then they plug him in as a first-year, fourth-rounder, and Romo's gone in an afterthought. That would be the dream for Sam, yes. is to do what Dak's done. Because p- p- coming out, a lot of people said Dak was inaccurate, and remember, Dak was considered a— ru- Sam's very a, similar to Dak yeah, in Mississippi State. Yeah, he was. And he ran a power spread, Dan Mullen, yeah. and it was an Urban Meyer disciple of the offense. Like, that's, they're very similar. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a great— he's, you know a, he's, the, he's a poor man's Dak, put it that way. All right, I like that. That's pretty good. Let's end on that note. That's positive for Sam. <laughs> yeah, pretty right, let's good. Go to, let's go to Caden Stearns, because I— Caden Stearns' his workout surprised Three. me, and I'm a Caden Stearns fan. The 42-inch vertical yes. combined with what was reported as a 4-4 flat in the 40 
a 10-8 broad jump, I believe, as well for my man Caden Stearns. Uh, those are the numbers. Uh, you have any other numbers on them? I mean, they, they were like, that was enough. 416 shuttle. 416 shuttle. I, the numbers for Caden Stearns were unbelievable. I know he was projected for a lot of people to be, you know, maybe a fourth round pick. I think with those numbers, he solidified himself as a third-round pick. I think somebody may take a chance on him in the second round, potentially. Yeah, he's a guy that definitely, I think he helped himself probably more than anybody. Now, Osai's top-end money, he gets way more. Osai, so that hell is Osai had already earned it on exactly. the field. Caden Stearns, he earned it his rookie yeah, uh, freshman. His freshman year. But the last two years, yep. we all been watching Caden Stearns, and he ain't been that guy. And that's where the it's good uh, you brought that up because think about those two paths. One, the raw player that's never seen the sport and in the last decade has rapidly grown into the guy that could be a top-end first-rounder like Osai. Meanwhile, Caden Stearns, the five-star at all times, so he's been on the radar. You've had scouts and people seeing him, and then – it's like a slight almost that you were so good at one point, but then if you perform these results at the combine, I think it may allow him to have something that happened his sophomore and junior year not be as worrisome as it would be if, say, he didn't perform as well at the combine or at the pro day. And when you look at the top end stuff, you look at guys that anybody comparable, there isn't anybody co- like honestly, Chase Claypool's the closest thing you could find athletically to a guy like Stearns because the DBs like Okuda, mm-hmm. Ak- Jeffrey Okuda ran a 448 last year. He and he went fourth overall, and he had a 40-and-a-half or a 41-inch vertical. He's a guy that, like, when you look at those numbers, and he went, I believe it was, third overall. It was uh, Detroit, yeah. And then uh, if you look at wide receivers, there was a couple guys that were nearly as fast but the same vertical. If you look at DBs, if you look at specifically safeties, like Legereus Sneed out of Louisiana Tech, he went from basically being a guy that might not be drafted to being a fourth-round pick, and he had the comparable numbers. He was a 41-inch vertical, 437 last year, mm. and vaulted way up. Claypool at wide receiver, everybody's talking about how freakish of a, of a combine it was last year, and it put him up into that yep, first-round territory. He was a 40-and-a-half vertical, 442. You're talking about now you can have a guy back there that hits and that has a ball hawking skills and the guy that has length and lankiness and range and be able to have the skill set of a guy that can do everything at the skill position, that's as valuable as you can find in a safety. Uh, my man Chip Brown, he spoke with the NFL scouting director. He, this is before the pro day. They had a uh, a third round grade on Caden Stearns. Ooh. Mel Kiper had a, had him as a third or a fourth round grade. NFL Draft Bible had him with a fourth round grade as the sixth free safety on their board. This is all before the pro day. Mm, now second round. And I think yeah, I think now what teams are going to do now? They're going to justify discarding or disregarding his last two years of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and, or, I, that's or, or cherry picking uh, this play, this play. I like this play, that play. Uh, he just wasn't like even the fact that, you know, some people question whether he wanted to be physical. Maybe he was hurt, uh, you know, tackling wise for mm-hmm. uh, my man, Caden Stearns and durability should have been, I guess is also a question too, in terms of the overall evaluation. I think a lot of teams are going to, look past that and now look at the fact that he was a five-star athlete coming in, that his freshman season, he had one of the greatest freshman seasons for a 
really for a true freshman in the history of Texas football. I love the Jeff Howe stats, a great stat, that Caden Stearns uh, being first team all-conference as a true freshman, he was the first true freshman to accomplish that since Earl Campbell did it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. So, But he didn't really build on that. Actually, it wasn't a linear pre- uh, progression for him, you know. After that, there was a regression. But now you can blame the regression on Tom Herman, uh, lack of development. Oh, there are even blame things it on, to point your finger at. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can blame it on. Uh, oh, maybe he was just hurt, man. He man, was hurt. We've seen back that in Texas for a decade. There you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can blame it. Blame it on Texas. Yeah, for the the, the, the culture of, of Texas, they they don't develop their high end players. All that kind of stuff, um, and that will justify. You know, let's take him in the second round late. I really, really like him. Um, and all the highlights will be from probably his freshman year. Yeah, because it mean, don't sorry, matter. Man, you put that USC game. Just watch that USC yeah, game. And, and, you know, and do. I don't disagree with that because his range, his range is freaky, man. He is played free and healthy. Yeah, he no, he's an NFL guy. His range, and like you said, he's long mm-hmm. and rangy, literally and figuratively. Like he can go sideline to sideline, but also just his body length. And now you combine that with four four speed. Yeah, that's a. He might be a second round pick. And I found a good pit uh, in his perfect way to segue to this stat because in 2019 the Chiefs took Juan Thornhill in the second round, and he had a 44 inch vertical and a 442 at safety. That's basically what Stearns just did, and that ended up being a second round pick yep. in 2019. Also that year, DK Metcalf had a 40 and a half with a 433, so a little bit faster. But this one, if we're talking about freakish athleticism. Isaiah Simmons was a 39-inch vertical with a 4.39, and he's a guy playing, you know, the stand-up, but now you're talking about a guy like that at safety behind him. Oh, man, it'd be cool to see Stearns on some of these defenses where you can let a guy like him just go out there and not have to worry other than being as wide open as it goes. Cowboys need him. Yeah, very true. He would like that one. He'd be great. Uh, Let's go to another talk about freakish athleticism. Sam Cosme. He he is freakishly athletic. I mean, thirty six reps on the bench, a four eight four forty yard dash. Mm. They don't like that. They, they, the Rams, a guy like Sean McVay, has been seeing a thirty seven year old Whitworth blocking on screens <sighs> wow. and sprinting out there. If that's you have a, a guy that's point. four eight four in the modern passing game in the screen game, like that's exactly what you need. Because not only do you need a lineman that's fast that can do those things, sure. but then can sprint back to the line, not be out of shape, and have to do it again and again and again. So that value, I think, is something that's going to be under appreciated. But that's what the teams are going to be going and looking for. Yeah, I, I've heard p- the knock on uh, on Sam Cosme is he doesn't have the length. Uh, they've not this. Yeah, like he has shorter. Was they are they thirty three inch arms? That's what I saw tweeted, uh, and that's the big thing. He has thirty three inch. I need arms. to measure my arms. Uh, I I don't remember. You know what? I, I, I'll actually, look I had thirty one and a half inch arms. Oh, I wow. did. I had thirty one. But so and I you're guess five that is ten. Short. I'm five. Yeah, I'm, 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 you were five, five nine and three. I got measured at five five eight and three five quarters. eight and three quarters yeah. at the combine. Yeah, yeah. So five eight and three quarters. But actually, as a corner, be five eight. It helped me out to have thirty one inch, oh, yeah. thirty one, almost thirty two inch. People love that. Like, oh man, oh that's yeah. good. That'll make up for the fact that he's really, really short. He's got long arms. NFL loves long arms. So yes, that is short arms. He does have a longer. Um, like wingspan. So he has a wide so back. So his broad shoulders. Yeah, shoulders are a little bit more broad. But, yeah, so they worry about him being able to fend off 
yeah. uh, long, rangy defenders on the edge. Yes, essentially yes. Joe side. <laughs> so if I'm I'm like, can I watch the the, the practice tape? Tapes, yes. Can I watch practice tape and just send me Joseph Osai versus Sam Cosby? I want all the reps. Every rep they've ever had against each other in practice in the history of Joseph Osai and Sam Cosby being on the 40 acres. Send me that. Because that's what you need, right? That's what the concern is. That would be great. Or just go talk to Joseph Osai and be like, okay, I'm drafting you. What do you know about this Cosby kid? Are you able to block you? He's like, all right. Well, No, No, they did ask him. And he said said he's awesome. He said he's great, but, you know, they don't really trust it. Didn't go watch. If yep. that's what you're worried about. Agreed fully. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, that's the big, so there are projections that he'll be a guard. And if he's going to end up being a guard, then that drops his value because the positional mm-hmm. value drops because guards, it, even though you know, Quentin Nelson is a phenomenon, uh, they are not as highly sought after as tackles. And they, they're now the thought is they may move on the right tackle, which I think he can play right tackle in the league. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jeff Howe brought up that Tristan Wirfs, uh, also has a shorter wingspan than Sam Cosby. With Tampa Bay, the Bucks. And he plays. So it all depends on can your athleticism make up for yes. whatever your shortcomings are on your football IQ. All 100%, because that's just one attribute, and you can have other strengths or your yeah. whole body of work. It's the same way we talk about an offensive line. Well, if you have one bad member of the offensive line, it can make the whole line not work and function at the level a group does. It's like an NBA rotation. If yep. you add one player with a different skill set now, if you have other players or, in this case, other parts of your body that make up for that one weakness, then you can really be a guy that can perform at or above. It just all depends on basically how good the team is that's scouting you and understands what their needs are in you. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so Sam Cosme, I'll say one other freakish thing before we move on, Sam, because I think Sam Cosme can play tackle in the league, and I think some teams are going to take a chance on him playing tackle. He's not going to go as high as previously projected because I don't think a lot of teams are projecting him as a left tackle. Connor Williams style. That's a great – and that's, actually, that's hurting his draft stock. Exa- oh, yeah, for it's sure. Right now, He's on the hurt, Connor Williams yeah, career it's, hurt, path. it's hurting his draft stock because there are right now too many similarities yes. in, that, in that projection evaluation. His 10-yard – his 10 yards. Shows how much Texas fans want, or Texas just wants a lineman. They were like, oh, yeah, we got this top tier. He's one of the best. First round pick guaranteed as a sophomore. And then you get to the time they're being drafted in their second round guards. Oh, man. You know what? That is a true indictment, though, on the Texas yes. evaluation that he had a first round grade all the way up until the time where he's about to get drafted yes. and then it drops. So uh, all right, uh, I'll say this he got a 1 6 8 10 yard split. Uh, same as Rashawn Slater, actually, the tackle from Northwestern, who's also projected to be a first-round pick. That's his team. My, my tenure split was 1.5. So, yeah. dude, he's moving. Yeah, and uh, on, on those splits, Stearns, when he ran, I didn't mention this earlier, that four one six, that is a really good shuttle time across the board time. when you look at it. Yeah, no, 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 it shows your ability to change direction. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on with these other guys really quickly because those are, those are the highly sought-after prospects for Texas. These are the mm-hmm. guys who are either going to get either undrafted and uh, they may have a shot or they'll go late. And I think Taquan Graham is one of those guys. He had 32 reps on the bench. You didn't hear a lot about Taquan Graham because this underwear Olympic stuff is not where D-linemen make their money. But I do think Taquan Graham – uh, just based on this, from what I heard from the Senior Bowl, really impressed a lot mm-hmm. of the scouts. That's probably where he improved his draft stock the most. Uh, Tariq Black actually tested pretty well. Yeah, uh, for him, four five three forty yard dash, eleven foot broad jump. 
Yes, and he had a 40, what was his vertical was right up there with everybody else too. I believe, here, let me pull it up before I put say something wrong. But yeah, 40-inch vertical jump, which is really athletic Ooh. too. Yeah, I, that's that's actually impressive. I don't think Tariq Black's an NFL player. No, I think he can play in the Big, XFL. Yeah, I think he can play in the CFL. I don't know if he can. I'm not saying he'll never get a shot in the league. I don't know if he can stick in the league, but the, I will say we need, the sample size I saw was very small. Yes, and he and we had our and we know Tom Herman now in retrospect was doing way too much in the receiver room. So it could be possible that he, you know, was, uh, you know, trying to manipulate things there and that caused Tariq Black to not get enough playing time and maybe he was a good player. But from what I saw, I don't know if he's going to get a real shot to be an NFL player. One decent thing that mm-hmm. sort of helps him out possibly is the fact that I already mentioned his name on the podcast, oddly, for the first time and probably last time again, Donovan Peoples-Jones, his teammate at Michigan, was a guy that went from being undrafted to being a sixth-round pick last year to the Browns, and he had a 4.48. Tariq Black was a 4.5 in the 40, and he had a 40-inch vertical to Peoples-Jones' 44-and-a-half. So at least that was a guy he trained with and worked out with and was recruited with at Michigan. Now they're going into the league different areas, but that guy went from being undrafted to barely drafted. I think it's just he's going to get a red flag probably on the medical stuff and have to work hard to make it somewhere, and who knows, might have a shot. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, No, he might have a shot. No, no question about it. Um, Brandon Eagles, another wide receiver, might have a shot. He ran a 4.55 40-yard dash. Had an L cone, I think, of uh, 6.83 cone drill. Four, around the four three range is what they said. I don't know if that's enough with what Brandon Eagles put on film, which was unimpressive because he usually couldn't get off a jam. And as a big wide receiver, not being able to win 50-50 balls with physicality is usually a slight against mm-hmm. you or a knock against you. Um, so I'm going to say Brandon Eagles didn't really impress there, but a four five five means you know that doesn't really mean anything. That's He, he can still go to the NFL level and improve. But he's not a great route runner. Now there's nothing that separates him exactly. from the pack. And wide receiver is the deepest position in football. It has been for the last five years. Daniel Jeremiah said this is a deep wide receiver is the deepest position in this draft. And it was in last draft. Yeah, it's going to be the deepest position in every draft going forward for the next few years. Yes. Unless there's an exception or an outlier. It was what I was talking about with the quarterbacks and just this yeah, culture that we live in now. Culture. Exactly. Yeah. It just happened. They happened to benefit on that side. For comparables to Brennan Eagles, you mentioned the main thing, the route running needs to be coupled with a guy with four or five five because like you look recent years, Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson out of Toledo, a guy that really good receiver for the Steelers, he ran oh, yeah. a four five three, but he's a guy with a really good oh, route dude. running ability. Oh, look at DeAndre Hopkins forty. Yeah, go look at great. Michael Thomas forty. Exactly four five, both of them high four fives. Yes. Come on, man. And you had recent guys, that, yeah. him and Inkill Harry, both went in just most recent drafts in the first round and third round with way worse shuttle times of like seven. One so four five five can survive there, but if you don't have either the ball hawk, if you can't go you up, have and something ball skills in yes. there or catch radius, route running ability. Colin Johnson, yes, what he's got 100%. catch radius and size. Hey, before seven, it don't matter. Michael Thomas four five seven, DeAndre Hopkins four five seven, Keenan Allen four seven one, Julian Edelman four five two. Allen Robinson, 4-6 flat. Cooper Cup, 4-6 flat. Yeah. Robert Woods, 4-5-1. Tyler Boyd, 4-5. Listen, it ain't about the 4 No, no. 4-8-4 four, four, four for little Jordan, <laughs> and he's still in the same you got, and catching no, but, TV. But you got to have an elite quality. Yes. What's your elite quality? Exactly. All those guys got an X-Man ability that separates them. And, and Eagles, Eagles hasn't ain't shown got that. that. Yeah, you you, you got were that. hoping it was the athleticism. We were hoping it was the 40, and we didn't see that there. 
um, uh, Chris Brown, who I think is an NFL player. I think Chris Brown will make an NFL roster. I truly believe that. I don't know if it's going to be a practice squad or, you know, actually make a roster, but I think he's an NFL player. He ran a 4-5-3-40, which is plenty fast enough for a safety. Uh, he ran a 4-2 shuttle and a 6-8-5-3 cone drill. What helps Chris Brown is his film. He was easily the best player in the secondary for Texas this year, second best player on that defense this year. Uh, he got better from the – the, the prior year before that mm-hmm. in 2019, so you saw a linear trajectory of him just improving. I think he's an NFL player. I think he actually did make himself some money. I don't know if he's going to get drafted. Yeah. I can't guarantee you that. Uh, he might go to Adrian Phillips' but route be in the NFL, roster. but he'll be on a roster for a few years. Because you talk about that when you have the film and then you have like the game IQ and all the intangibles or stuff that you can't yeah. say measure. And then that was the one thing that stood out when you looked at him on the pro day workouts. He was at sur- average in about every category, but mm-hmm. he contributed. And that's exactly what when you're looking for a guy to fill out a roster, and this isn't per- meant as a slight. It's how they're viewed. But he's a guy that's your perfect replacement player. And that means oh, you yeah. can get off an old contract. You can go and not have to pay a guy big money to be re-signed. Let him go. You don't have to overpay for a free agent. You could get a rookie on a rookie contract mm-hmm. coming down at an undrafted level. That's what people like Bill Belichick have built empires Great on, point. and that's exactly and the what drop-off isn't. It's it's negligible, yep. and he's ser- he's a serviceable player, and he's and average across it, the board. And who knows those with those intangibles the and yep. the work? And if you totally go into the body, you could be a guy that ends up you know being a lot better than everybody. Everybody thought. All right, I think that's it. Are we missing it, guys? Oh, I, I think believe we that's hit them about all. it, man. Uh, all right, quick discussion on Texas basketball. We'll be two minutes here, and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. All right, uh, your thoughts on Texas basketball? They won their first big, or first ever Big Twelve tournament title in men's basketball. First men's basketball conference title since nineteen ninety five. They end up beating Oklahoma State, who, by the way, was the hottest team in the country at the time, and then they got had, screwed. They're the only team that got screwed in did. the bracket. They had beat they they had beaten six ranked opponents in nineteen days, which which was one day shy of the UConn record they set in two thousand eleven on their national title run when they beat six ranked teams in eighteen days, mm-hmm. uh, and Texas ended up beating them. And uh, 91-86 to win their first ever Big 12 tournament title. Uh, Matt Coleman led the way with 30 points. He was uh, unbelievable, and he has been the uh, the mojo and the spirit animal. But Jericho Sims also had his best game ever, too, uh, and he had a hell of a game with 21 points and 14 rebounds. So your thoughts on what Shaka Smart and this Texas basketball team have done? Oh, man, i really looking forward to seeing the tournament just overall when you look at something like the Big 12 because we had talked about just how tough this conference is and the fact that Texas, it's crazy, but you look in the top 10 odds to win the national title. Texas is right there in the top 10. Wow. They're 30-1 to 1 in Oklahoma State, as you mentioned, at 25-1, to 1, Baylor at 6 and a half to one. So those are your three teams in the top 10. You have actually in the Big 12, five of the top 13 teams when you include wow. Kansas and West Virginia. So I really think the battle-tested nature of Texas is going to make the, these games really work out now. Abilene Christian sort of like the last team you want to play in the first round if you were to pick teams of those bottom seeds and go. If you were to take any of the 13 through 16s, I'd rather play almost any of them other than, say, maybe Liberty, which Oklahoma 
Oklahoma State also, Drew, which would be a tough one. Abilene Christian's a team that's like a, a poor man's Texas Tech. Like they description. ton of at- effort yep. out there. They're guys, and also you add in the factor that they got the big brother, little brother syndrome of the year. It's your, they never gave you a shot. They're playing in, mm-hmm. at the time, hell, ACU. P- people like us around here don't even realize ACU had got up to the D1 level in recent years. And, I mean, they're playing football. They're doing everything it's up true. there, which is crazy and yep. awesome for them. And this is their Super Bowl. So that's a tough matchup. But the bracket had fit out perfectly. Like, when you look at Texas's one, twos, and I would take any of those of – opposed to the other ones that you had to choose from. Now, looking at the bottom half of the bracket, there are a few teams that could possibly make it through, but it's really hard to predict once you get out of your little coupling Mm -hmm. of four and – First game, as long as you survive it, and I really think that like if you look at all the three seeds, Texas is the shortest of the favorite. Now it's when a point in Texas is favored, Texas is favored by nine. But out of all the other ones, it's the closest projected. So it's a tough situation to be in, but Texas should be able to win against them at least. Yeah. No, they got everything it takes to make a run in the tournament. They're experienced. Yep. They're talented. They're deep. Yes, And I will say Shaka Smart right now is making all the right moves. I know there's been a lot of criticism of Shaka and his um, his lack of a coaching advantage and lack of a schematic advantage with the team, but it seems like he knows this team really well, and he's making um, all the right calls. That uh, In that Texas Tech game, when he decides to put Brock Cunningham and Kai Jones in the game mm-hmm. with right under four minutes, and decide, all right, my defense is going to lead the way with Jericho Sims having a hell of a game, and I don't know how he didn't make the def- all-defensive team in the Big 12. That is a travesty. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's something that we hadn't seen from Shaka. That gave them a schematic advantage. And knowing that, hey, you know what, when uh, Courtney Ramey doesn't have it and when Andrew Jones doesn't have it, I got I got to know when to put in Jace Febris. Uh, you know, when Greg Brown, you know, is, is having um, – um, oh, what's the best way to say it? His struggles? Yes. <laughs> also, Whatever they may I be. I think he was quite upset right? at getting yeah. cheap he's, shot ankled. He, he, he's he's got to find the other X factor. So yes. he started Kai Jones. Kai Jones is playing some really good basketball. He knows that Brock Cunningham is an X factor, so Brock Cunningham minutes go up. So I'm, I love the way that he is maneuvering the personnel, and I think the biggest advantage for Texas in the tournament could be the fact that they are so versatile and so deep they shouldn't be outmatched in meaning they shouldn't be at a matchup disadvantage for in terms of until they get really really deep in the tournament and because of the bracket i really don't even know if you're going to have one in your right? side until it, you face like possibly that, Michigan or exactly. the one seed like it, there you go. and you're talking about we're getting to the lead eight if you're at that case yeah and like we talked about it before we came in here it's like this year's like the best texas basketball year arguably almost Ever since the Final Four, you had 08 with DJ Augustine as a two-seed, and you went and made it to the Elite Eight and lost to Cal and D. Rose. This team by far is the best that you had since then. then Yes, and Texas almost got the two this year, and it's crazy when you look at last year and this year because this team was playing really well at the end of last year. And they won NIT. What are you talking about? Well, no, last year before it (laughs) got uh, totally zapped by COVID because they were about to go in. And you look at Jericho Sims, though, like it was last year, you talk about – Foul trouble is what kept him off the court. But when he was on the court last year, Texas was outscoring people 115.6 to 96.1. That's a net rating of over 19 and a half. Outscoring people by 20 per 100 possessions, which is insane. Thing was is when Will Baker was coming in and playing what was a very minuscule amount of minutes, he only played 135 in 12 games. So you're talking about 11 minutes per game. 
negative 31. 69 wow. to 100. So you're yeah. talking about when you had a backup center, or young center, or your five-star freshman, and he's a guy that isn't being able to perform out there, that negates outscoring people by 20 in just those seven, eight, ten minutes Very that true. you're giving it back. Yeah. What do you do this year? Well, a different local five-star fills in, and you have Greg Brown, which is performing quite adequately to above average this year, which helps across the board. But you mentioned it, a guy like Kai Jones. So you look at this year's plus-minus, Jericho Sims, 114.7 to 94.6, almost identical to what it was last year. Now, plus 20.1. Mm. But when he's off the court, a guy like Kai Jones, when he's in there, Net rating of plus 23.9. He's 120.8. Actually, excuse me, 24.1. It's 120.8 to 96.7. So when you have your backup big being able to come in and do that and be so skilled and give you that versatility because Jericho's your traditional big man, your role man, a guy that's just going to be really good defense, can allow – he can be your – Rudy Jobert, and he can literally alter yeah. the entire landscape. He has a gravity the way Steph Curry has a gravity on the basketball court offensively. He has a gravity defensively where everything is changing the trajectories mm. and everybody else can play off of him so well. And then you have a tool where his backup can be a guy that's a highly skilled offensive player that doesn't fall off defensively. Mm. And then you look at a guy like uh, when uh, Royce Ham's out there, his net rating plus 14 also. Damn, play Royce Ham last game. And Royce Ham's a perfect guy because you yeah. don't need to because you they have depth. And that's the thing, Jace Fabrics, you don't need him because you had depth. But now when he's healthy, he can be a guy that can become your fourth guard. And now you can have four guys that can shoot threes. So whenever, like last game, you have foul trouble on the front end mm-hmm. for Ramey and for Jones, well, now your replacement player is an above average player. And you come in and now you can have with a guy like Coleman and him, that's four guys that are all threats from the outside. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas gets in a bind at some point in the tournament, even if it's in the first round. If you see us go to a four-guard lineup with those four out there with Jericho Sims because he can have the gravity to be able to defend any undersized team. So a team like ACU that doesn't have D1-level players, you can get away with those things. Or if you just hit the the wrong upset mid-major team that's a small team, you have so much with these Texas guards, and then you have three true bigs that can do whatever, and then you got your Brock Cunningham who's in the yeah, corner. That's what I, said. They I mean, he's they your are P.J. At, they aren't in a matchup advantage. They shouldn't be at a matchup disadvantage no, throughout the I mean, anyway. When I heard yeah. Fran Fraschilla talking about how Brock Cunningham reminded him of Alex Crusoe. I was like, does this guy know basketball? Like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) This is a forward versus a guard. You got LeBron's backup that's a ball-handling guard now. They're both white, and they both play defense, (laughs) and that's a difference. But Brock Cunningham is P.J. Tucker. That's exactly what his role is on the team. He's in the corner to shoot threes. He's coming in and getting a late-game steal. He plays bigger than he is. He's a guy that can crash the offensive boards as he's getting back up. But overall, really impressive to see Texas just be able to put it together for the first time in like 12 years. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, hopefully next time we're talking about a Texas win and we continue talking some Texas basketball. You got spring football coming up uh, a week from now, so next week we'll be talking some spring football on the show. Jeff Howe will be back, so the gang will be all together. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
I want to thank my man, Matt Butler, for all that you do, brother. You're the heart and soul of the show and the real MVP. Thanks, bro. Well, you're welcome, and, and thank you. And let the people know where they can uh, catch the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Yes, just search for us in any of your traditional podcast app. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. Or if you want to see any of our archives or listen to any of our old school interviews with guys like Earl Thomas or people like Sergio Kendall, we had some really funny ones back in the day. Yeah. Go check out BJ Johnson. Just go on to SoundCloud, type in Longhorn Blitz. For shizzle. All right, I want to thank my man, uh, Jeff Howe, even though it's not here, he's here in spirit. Thank our good friends here at the Austin Radio Network and our good friends at Horns 247. And most of all, thank you guys for listening to Longhorn Blitz and supporting Longhorn Blitz. We love you guys. Uh, that's the reason that we do the show. Join us next week for another edition of Longhorn Blitz. Everybody be safe out there. We love you guys. Peace. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.